Our church, Bethel, never gathers to pray. I'll say that again. Our church, Bethel, never gathers to pray. There is no meeting, that's what I mean by it, there is no meeting where the whole church comes together to pray. Now I have a list at home that roughly lists who are the regulars at church. We have about 40, you might find that hard to believe, some uh, Sundays uh, with different people in different places. But our last joint life group prayer meeting we had seven. That's actually smaller than either of the life groups put together, or by themselves, sorry, not even put together. I I wonder if that strikes you as strange. Uh, Yesterday's prayer breakfast we had ten. And at our last prayer supper we had 13, which is about roughly average for what we're getting at prayer suppers. I'd love to say that it's style or timing, but I simply don't believe that. Uh, there were at different times under Martin when we had prayer first. Uh, there was no praying round tables, so it wasn't about style. And yet there were very few people there still. So I remember prayer first where actually only I turned up and I sat here for an hour by myself. Did you know that people have actually left us as a church partly citing the prayer meetings as a reason why they left. Not the format or the style again, but actually the fact that so few people actually came to them and the other person that actually so few people actually prayed when they came to the prayer meeting. Uh, So there were people there, but they weren't praying. My only conclusion is this, is that there's something badly wrong with our understanding of prayer meetings. I know that a lot of people in this room are regulars at prayer meetings. I'm not meaning to have a go this evening. That's not my plan. But what I do want to do is say this publicly, because a church without prayer is a church that will die. Whatever changes we make, however many people we get through the door, we will die. It might be a long and drawn out death, but it will happen. Why? Because prayer is a sign of spiritual life. So we often think, don't we, in our uh, our private prayers, that that's a sign of how we're doing spiritually, a sort of personal indicator Well, if that's true for ourselves, then the prayer meeting is an indicator of the health of the church. So how are we doing at Bethel? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons why we should pray together in the hope that you'll hear this, but also in the hope that you'll share this with others as well. Uh, It's a little bit shorter, as I mentioned before, to give us time to pray at the end. But what I want to prove to you is actually it's biblical to gather to pray. And if we want to be people of the Bible, we need to be people of prayer as well. So the first reason that we are to pray together is because it's expected in the Bible. It's my contention that church prayer meetings are expected in the word. There's no command to gather to pray. But then again, there's no command to gather to hear God's word either. There's no command to do evangelism. They're assumed they happen in the Bible, but they're not commanded. And that's partly because it's so natural that those things happen. In Acts 4, if you think about it, the natural thing for the church to do is to gather to pray. There's been something uh, uh, very difficult happening in the church. Uh, The apostles have been brought before the council. And what do they do afterwards? They gather to pray. Now, it's worth noting that it's not exactly a crisis prayer meeting. They don't meet to gather while the apostles are before the council. They actually meet to gather afterwards. So it's not exactly a a, a crisis prayer meeting because they've just been released. And did you notice as we read through what was happening, how it exemplifies all that we've been seeing in our series? They uh, carry on the conversation that God has started in Psalm 2. You know, why do the nations rage or why do the Gentiles rage? They pick up that and they pray in line with it. Do you notice as well that they don't pray for an end to the persecution? But they pray in line with what God has told them. 
they pray in, they pray for boldness in evangelism. Even though they've just been uh, threatened and, and dragged before the authorities, what do they pray for? They pray they might be able to preach the message. They pray in line with God's purposes. But this isn't the only prayer meeting that we see in the Bible. If you could turn up Acts 12, verses 1 to 5, it's just a few pages on. Here's another prayer meeting that we see in the New Testament. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. You see here, this is more of a crisis sort of situation, and prayer is made by the church. But you might be thinking, well, does it mean, though, they just went to their own homes and prayed? You know, that could have happened, couldn't it? He could have... Uh, the church is praying, but they're praying all separately. Well, we see in verses 11 and 12 that that's not the case. Have a look at verses 11 and 12 of that same chapter. When Peter came to himself, he's come out of prison. Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realised this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were pr- gathered, where many were gathered together and were praying. And I think many of us know the story, he knocks on the door and he sort of gate crushes his own prayer meeting, if you like. They're praying for him to be released and uh, he gate crushes it. But you see there that the church is gathering to pray. That's, that's the natural response. Something is happening and they gather to pray. Or just think about the Lord's Prayer. We touched on this earlier in the series. But the very model prayer that Jesus gave us to pray is in the first, plus, first person plural. That is we. So it's our Father, not my Father. Give us today our daily bread. It's a prayer that actually presumes that we'll be praying it with other people. Now, of course, in the Bible, there are prayers that people pray by themselves. Jesus goes to pray by himself, and both of them are important. But the prayer he leaves us to pray, the model prayer he gives us, is a communal prayer. One that we're to pray together. So the idea that prayer is supposed to be primarily private wouldn't make any sense, would it? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Hang on, but what about what Jesus said in that same sermon? You know, Matthew 6. Do you want to turn up Matthew 6? Verses 5 and 6. Don't worry, we won't be jumping all around the Bible this evening. I know your fingers were quite quite tired from last uh, Sunday evening. (laughs) Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. So Jesus there seems to be saying, pray in private. How does that fit with what we've been saying? Well, it is possible to come to a prayer meeting to be seen, isn't it? It's, it's, you know, just the dumb thing to do to make yourself look holy or to look more spiritual than you are. I don't think that's really our problem at Bethel, if I'm honest. 
There aren't that many people at the prayer meetings ready to see you as part of the, the issue. And it's hardly a street corner. It's hardly a public uh, praying like they are doing. I think it can be a danger, but I think it's more likely that it could be an excuse for us. Uh, I'd be more worried about people struggling with that if they're praying up front of the church and doing that to be seen. That seems more of a public uh, thing. But Jesus isn't saying don't pray in public. He's saying don't pray to be seen. Don't pray to make yourself out to be something that you're not. But all this means that actually prayer meetings are biblical. That's actually what they do in the Bible. If we want to be men and women of the Bible, we need to be men and women of prayer. If we're concerned about gathering to hear preaching, then we should be concerned about gathering to pray as well. Neither are commanded, yet both are thoroughly biblical and sensible. So that's our first point, because it's expected in the Bible. Our second point is because it's encouraging to the believer. When we gather, it's supposed to be an encouragement. I think you'll find on the back of your notice sheets, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 14 and 15, uh, 14 and 17, sorry. For if I pray, leave, leave the tongues thing aside for a second, but uh, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind also is unfruit, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. Now, like I say, leaving aside the whole tongues issue, we want to put that on a blue slip, feel free. Um, but his point here is that prayer, if it's unintelligible, will not build up other people. Yeah? So if you can't understand what someone else is praying, it won't build you up. But from that, we can see that actually one of the reasons that we gather to pray, and one of the reasons that we pray out loud is to build each other up. Uh, that's actually part of the goal of, of hearing other people pray. And we know that experience, don't we? It's an encouragement. Uh, we can say amen to other people's prayers because we know what they're saying. But even just the presence of people can be an encouragement, can't it? I know uh, at my previous church, we used to do this thing where we gathered together on a Sunday evening and had soup together and prayed. It sounds like a novel idea, doesn't it? Uh, we used to call it a prayer supper. And we'd get about 100 people at that prayer meeting when the church was about 150, which is not bad going, really, for, for that sort of size of, of church. The church wasn't that much bigger. And when you think about the number of fringy people that you get with that number. Now, a prayer meeting can be encouraging with one or two people. It was really encouraging uh, our prayer breakfast with just 10 of us uh, on, uh, on Saturday morning. But isn't it, isn't it something amazing about gathering with a big number of people? Not, not that numbers matter in that way, but it gives you that little taste of heaven, doesn't it? Of knowing that there are other people there, of hearing other people pray. So it's an encouragement, just being there can be an encouragement to other people. But it's also an encouragement to pray ourselves, isn't it? Other, hearing others pray can inspire us to pray. And it's not just that we learn to pray from others in our early days. What I mean by that is actually when somebody prays something, it inspires other people uh, to pray. So have you ever been to the prayer meeting and sort of you didn't know what you were going to pray for until the person, person before you prayed? And you think, oh, yeah, I'll pray for that now. I've known whole prayer meetings basically directed by the first prayer. The first person who's prayed, it's, 
it's in sort of spiral chain reaction in other people. So the way others pray can inspire us to pray for different things, can bring to mind things we haven't thought of. And this applies to you no matter how mature you are. It's not just about learning to pray. Actually hearing others pray can still be helpful. The next reason uh, under this is that we enjoy more answered prayer. That can be an encouragement. When we say amen to someone else's prayer, uh, like this talking about here, it becomes our prayer too. That's why we say amen. We say I agree. We're coming before the Lord and saying, yes, this is what we want you to do. And that's why, incidentally, you should listen to other people pray as well when you're at a prayer meeting. Um, but if you agree, you should say, Amen. That's that's part of the, the idea. But when we pray them, they become our prayers. And that means as well that we enjoy more answered prayer. Okay, so run with me a second. So when we just pray our own prayers, we can get a certain amount of answered prayer, can't we? But when we pray as a group, actually we get to enjoy rejoicing in answered prayer for other people. When God answers prayers over the years for people's jobs or houses or loved ones that we might not have prayed by ourselves, but we've prayed about them in a group. And we can enjoy the the knowledge of answered prayer in a way that we can't do. If someone just tells you, oh, I've been praying for this and I've had that answered. It's a bit different when you've been praying for it together. So we might not have prayed for these things alone. And if we have prayed for them alone, it might be because we've been inspired to do so, because we've been praying about them together. So we're to do it because it's encouraging to the believer. And then finally, because it's in keeping with the body. Because it's in keeping with the body. As I say, even though there is no command, actually, um, we can see that this fits with the shape of church. So one reason, one sort of answer you can give, why gather to pray, the answer is church. The very nature of church means that we should be praying together. Now, you guys enjoyed a mini-series on church while I've been away on holiday. And I imagine some of the things that you saw were the, the corporate nature of our existence in God's plan. God hasn't made us just individual islands. Actually, he's brought us together. You're supernaturally connected to the people who are sitting around you. By Christ, by faith. So if we're to be together, if we're to share our lives together as a fellowship, as a communion, as a body, if we're to eat together, laugh together, live together, why on earth wouldn't we pray together? If we're to share anything, everything, why wouldn't we share this together? Perhaps the problem is that we don't actually see ourselves like that. You know, we often get the situation where you, you meet people who believe in the universal church. They don't really like the local church. They believe in the universal one. But universal church is easy. Because it's really easy to love a faceless mass. They never do anything to you. It's much harder to love actual people in your actual church. Who annoy you and upset you and say things that you don't like. That's hard. But God has brought us together as a local church. The local church is not an accident of geography. It's God's strategy for the salvation of the world and the building up of the believer. And prayer is a huge part of that mission, isn't it, that we do together. So think of churches that gathered to pray. Think of the big movements of God through history that were started not in open air preaching, but in the backroom prayer meeting. Think of the Welsh revival. Hundreds gathered to pray. It was a movement in the churches before it became a movement outside the churches. Think of the revival under Spurgeon. 
Hundreds of Christians would gather before the meeting to pray for Spurgeon preaching. His Monday night prayer meeting was attended by 3,000 people. And they had a basement under the building where Christians would seemingly almost pray around the clock. Whenever he took someone around the Metropolitan Tabernacle, he would show them this room. Do you know what he'd say? Here is the powerhouse of the church. Here is the powerhouse of the church, the prayer meeting. Friends, is it any wonder that we feel ineffectual if our prayer meetings are the powerhouse of our church? So what have we seen over the series then? Well, there are lots of reasons to pray. There are lots of reasons to gather to pray. Prayer is a continuing conversation with God that he has started in his word. Prayer is really only possible because of what Jesus did by bringing us into God's presence. Prayer is empowered by the Spirit and it should be done regularly and irregularly, publicly and privately. And tonight we've seen that coming together to pray is biblical, encouraging and fitting with what God is doing in making us into a fellowship. So we're going to spend some time praying tonight.